This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London's podcast. And we're back after a summer break. Well, sort of. We're kind of cheating, actually. Some of us are still on a summer break, but we thought there was so much going on. It was time for us to grab a beer and gather around in a 21st century sort of way and shoot the breeze on Brentford. So, welcome back, everyone. How are you doing? You all right? All good? All good, mate. All good. Raring to go. The season is bearing down on us now. Uh, the players are players are fit, getting fit. Um, one more friendly to go, indeed. and then we've got the uh, we've got the Huddersfield. The return to Huddersfield. Indeed, indeed. So my name's Billy Grant, and but unfortunately, what I'd say is we're not in a fancy West London boozy like the George IV Fourth or the Pilot or the Globe or wherever drinking Pride or Frontier or Guinness or whatever we drink. We're actually about the bar by the pool, in our hotel, somewhere in Europe. We're cheating, drinking good old Spanish and Greek and Belgian and all sorts of beer. So I'm, I'm joined at the bar by Mr Dave Lane. How are you, Mr Lane? I'm very good, mate, very relaxed. Um, I've got the sea. The sea is kind of washing just to my left. I'm drinking a beer called Lyra, Lyra which is um, from Crete. It's, that's where I am now. And uh, it's gorgeous. It's like a little microbrewery I found in the village, and uh, 5.8% cold and delicious. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy, mate, and just uh, good to see you all, and good to be talking bees again. Good to be talking bees, and just it's been about a month and a half before we've actually actually got together around a table as such. How's your summer been? What you been up to? I mean, I know you've been up to Lowe's. I've been with you for quite a bit of it. But what's been going down? (sighs) Yeah, I mean the, the the Euros took up took a big chunk of it well not not a bigger chunk as it should have done but it took a chunk of it um which you know if anyone's taken any notice of what we've been doing during the summer we we had a bit of a lively first couple of weeks of the euro tournament marseille was fruity um we 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 recorded some interesting stuff there mate um some some great documentaries that we, we we filmed um, and then really it's just, yeah, I've just kept my head low and just sort of just getting back into bees mode slowly. So, uh, yeah, raring to go for Huddersfield, as I just said. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got a positive feeling that I think we're going to start the season 
as we as we as we finish the last. And uh, I, th- I think there's a lot to look forward to this year. I mean, I'm not going to get over carried away. Um, I'm just I'm still in the in the mode that I'm happy to be here. But I I, I really think it's going to be another good season. Excellent. So I mean, of course you're very happy because you have got some sunshine and uh, you're feeling good. But Mr. Liberal Nick, not quite sunny in your zone down there, is it? How are you, the Liberal? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm down. I'm down in Devon, which has been a beautiful sunny day today. It's been fantastic, actually. Uh, really hot and really warm. Uh, I'm looking out on a few cows, munching on a bit of a grass, drinking a good cup of British tea. You know, I thought living up, being true to my name, I thought I'd better stay in uh, in England for uh, my summer holidays this year. So uh, that's what I'm doing, and uh, yeah, having a good time. Managed to make it along to a couple of games at uh, Griffin Park. So uh, seen uh, seen. Our continental, the, the continental opposition, um, which wasn't Peterborough, wasn't any of the Polish from Peterborough, it was the Germans from Kaiserlautern. Um, and as Dave says, looking forward to August the 6th, actually, because I've got a bit bored. I've been been seeing a bit of cricket and uh, Surrey's, Surrey's season so far this year, who is the team I follow, been a bit like Brentford's last season. They had a, they, they've gone through a rocky patch and are now on, back on the up. So uh, looking forward to moving, dropping the bat and the ball and moving on to kicking around football around the place. OK, so listen, we've also got in the house the Allard, Mr Matt Allard. He's in the bar, our virtual bar anyway. How are you, the Allard? Yeah, I'm very good. Um, as you say, the the virtual bar. I'm here. We don't the, the Bizarre crew. We don't actually all go on holiday together. We do quite a lot of stuff, but <laughs> the holidays together isn't hasn't um, reared its head yet. Um, we, and, we, haven't got, um, we haven't we haven't got the Bizarre double deck of bus with with Cliff. Actually, no, that's, that's not happening at all. Indeed, yeah. So, um, so I'm uh, bus. <laughs> I'm so yeah. I'm 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 supping on a beer here, and um, it's quite hot and humid here as well in um, sunny old Twickenham. Even your summer. I mean, have you been off watching MotoGP, GP Moto, whatever you call it? <laughs> um, motocross. Um, I I I might have done that, but I think that was a bit before the season ended. Um, so um, I did go and see a bit more football actually. While you lot were in the Euros, I was over. A, I went to a. Um, I was in the states, so I thought I'd take myself down to a Copa America game, and um, went to see the USV Paraguay um, in Philadelphia. Tried to do it in the normal sort of um, bizarre styley. Went on the went on the on the cheap bus that, that you pointed me towards, and, and back on the oh the mega bus the train the mega um, bus <laughs> yeah yeah the mega bus the mega bus um, which was quite quite you know it was quite an experience. Cost um, about fifty p, isn't it? <laughs> it was i think it was about yeah it was about oh, yeah, maybe three pound fifty or something like that um and um yeah went to the game met actually it was quite interesting because met a few americans that um you know were, were we, we kind of take the piss out of them a lot but actually these guys that i met um coming down from um new york to philly were proper hardcore fans of their local team new york red bulls um and um and really the 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 premier league didn't really register for them it was all about the new york red bulls so we had lots of opportunity to swap stories about Mike Guerra, is it Guerra, Guerra, and yeah. um, and Bradley White Phillips, who obviously played for us and the Red Bulls. So yeah, good a good day out. Excellent, excellent. And myself, I'm in Spain at the moment now. As they say, the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane, except for the plane was dry, which is quite good because I didn't bring a coat. Um, I've been actually. I was at the Euros with Laney as well. 
Therefore, well, <laughs> until England went out to Iceland, um, it was uh, we had interesting time, as he said, in Marseille. We filmed quite a few bits. We caught a, a bit of action. If you don't catch it on Besotted YouTube, Besotted 1992 on YouTube, we've got loads, about 42 videos up there, including one video which did about a million and a bit hits, which basically caught the beginning of the action um, between some French fans who were being a bit naughty in Marseille as well. Not a positive thing, but it was positive in the fact that it actually put England fans in a better light because everyone was calling us hooligans and such, and we actually showed the world that it actually wasn't us causing the trouble, but other people were. But we'll move on from that, but the Euros was was all right. It was an average Euros as far as I'm concerned. Twelfth tournament I've been to is probably the ninth best I've been to. France just don't know how to organise tournaments at all, really. They're terrible. The French aren't really into it. The organisation's not great. Um, just, just you know, it's just, it's just, it's just average. You know, the fact that you can go to South Africa and they're better at organising tournaments than uh, than than France actually kind of says it all, really. So, uh, you know, saying that, I was there with the mates, Laney, you know, Geordie John, Spanish Dave. You'll see them all on the videos. They're all out there, good bunch of lads, and it's nice going out there and just hanging out with people, drinking and, and watching football. But um, Germany which I went to a few weeks later for a pre-season tour with Brentford. So much better. It's just such a better country. The people, they're funnier, they're into football. It's just a better vibe over there. And I was only there for a couple of days and brought my son out there. Went to the Brentford game, took him down to Cologne, went somewhere else, went to Dortmund. And that was fantastic. I had a really, really, really good three or four days out in Germany as well. Saw Brentford play. We'll talk about that later in the pre-season tour thing. Loads of bees out there, really good atmosphere with the bees as well out there, which is good. And then uh, I came out here, and uh, this was meant to be my two weeks away from football, football abstention, and Brentford spoilt it by putting a game on YouTube on Saturday. <laughs> so I watched that by the pool, which is quite good, actually. And uh, yes, and fair play to Brentford. I'm quite respecting that kind of kind of activity. So anyway, that, that's it. But listen, listen, guys, we've talked about it. We've done a little kind of coming back together thing. We now need to talk about what's been going on with our club the past couple of months and uh, with new signings, the manager, the owner sending bits of base, piece of information out there, pre-season friendlies, all sorts of stuff. So let's just talk about what's going down in Brentford at this moment in time. So the new season's coming. Our summer has been relatively busy, not massively busy. Um, you know, it's interesting because uh, Brentford have made a few signings. Um, a lot of the signings, to be quite honest with you, we've been talking about for the last six months on this podcast. The one thing about this podcast is that what we do is that we kind of talk about things that we can't necessarily always write about, but we talk in and around them on the podcast over the last couple of months. So we've been talking about various signings that we've had from probably February and March and uh, various signings in and out. And I mean, you know, like I said to you, Brentford obviously had their minds set on signing particular players. So uh, we signed Romain Sawyers from Warsaw, one of Dean Smith's old players as well, our midfield player. We signed John Egan from Gillingham as well, defender. Again, we've been talking about him since, well, them two guys since probably February. And also Darren Bentley, who we've been chatting about as well, who we signed as a goalkeeper. So um, we've got those three new signings in as well. Uh, on top of that, today, or today, which is Wednesday, we've also been looking at for a left-back as well. We've been looking for ages for a left-back, and we signed on loan Callum Elder from Leicester City, who was actually on loan to Peterborough, who, ironically, we played yesterday in a friendly. Um, so we got Callum Elder as well, the left-back, which is a position which I think that we were desperately, desperately in need of, because uh, we'll talk about that in the games in a minute. Um, then on top of that, there's an argument to say that we've also made a few other signings. There's Andreas Belland, who's back. He's been out for a year, injured, not really ever played for us. Lewis McLeod as well. He's 
back. Well, he says he's back. He's never played for us, even though he's been with us for two years as well. And to a certain extent, also Scott Hogan and uh, Josh McEachern as well, who have been injured for a very long period of time, but they've actually come back into play. So if you look at that, we've actually got sort of seven, two, four, five, seven signings, which is quite interesting. And, and, a, and a couple of fringe players that have started to sort of come to the fore, people like Holdak that... A kind of we've we've heard we've heard their names mentioned before, but I think they're they're making a real push for it, aren't they? In this in this close season, so uh, yeah, I, you know, there's a it's a few that haven't quite come off though as well. Bill, is a is a few names that were mentioned um, up until now that you know so it's not been quite as fruitful, yeah. No, it, I mean, again, it hasn't been, and, and you've got to look at the reasons for that, or you can only kind of guess what the reasons may be. Um, we talked about this again a lot in the podcast beforehand. I mean, one of the biggest names, obviously, was Kimar Roof, who uh, we would we wanted to get, but obviously everybody else wanted to get as well. You know, we say, unfortunately, we were well in for him um, in January. You know, we thought that we might have even signed him that last window, but it didn't happen. Then he started scoring a few goals. He started to go score goals on TV. Started to go score goals in cup final at Wembley. And uh, everyone and their dog were after him. But I thought the vibe was that we were still kind of in there. Um, The problem was he signed for Leeds United. As we know, and we wrote a big article about this a few months ago, Leeds United have got a much bigger turnover for us, a much bigger pay packet. If they want to go and get somebody over us, they can do. The player would probably look at the two teams and think, have they got a mad owner? Leeds, yes, they have. I don't want to go there, so I'll go to Brentford. But he's obviously looked at the money and said, I'm going to go to this team. And also probably with their new manager as well. They've got a decent manager, Monk. I mean, Leeds have been doing really well in their signings this close season. I think they've probably got themselves a little bit more sorted. But, you know, guys, I mean, what you what you saying about this? I mean, obviously, we've got signings and we've missed out on a couple of signings. What's your overall thoughts? Um, I, I think just, you know, talking about them missing out on signings is that um, I think one of the things that um, I've come to realise is that we don't get into bidding wars, to be honest. Um, so once a player, you know, we, we, we seem to we identify a player, but if, if anyone else identifies the same player or, I mean, we've been, you know, there's been a few cases where even teams have literally taken players off, you know, literally taken players away just before we've, um, before they've signed for us, like um, George Evans going to Reading. It's, it's, so, so the bidding war thing is something we just don't seem to get involved in. Um, the well, what could happen though, of course, is or what what probably needs to happen is we need to get the players earlier. But that means taking more chances on players, um, and um, and obviously that you know has a has a potential for not going right. But it seems that you know we we um, we, we we possibly need to make some of these signings a bit earlier, which, as I said, a bit more chancely. I mean, Matt, Matt's got a good point there because I, what, what's occurred to me is that now it seems to be, uh, particularly with younger players, uh, the rumours go out that Brentford are interested in them and suddenly other clubs come in for them because they think, oh, Brentford are interested, therefore they must be good, which probably is a credit to our scouting team and to, to the others around them. And those younger players get, get offered bigger money, as you've said, Bill, at, uh, at other clubs and, and who can begrudge them wanting to do that. So I think uh, it's going to be even more important that Andy Scott and the scouting team sort of uh, go along to matches and uh, wearing uh, wigs and dark glasses and false moustaches and what have you. Because yeah. it does, stri- does strike me is that, um, you know, club- clubs hear Brentford being interested in the player and they then go and take another look at them and, as we say, wave the bigger money at them. Dave, you also talked about some of the um, more junior or the, 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 the B squad players coming on. 
Um, what worries me is our strength in depth, um, and perhaps we'll come on a bit to discuss this, um, because apart from centre-back and possibly centre-midfield, um, last night those of us who went um, who saw Tom Field play at left-back, um, as he did against Casalata, would have said, you know, well, we need to sign a left-back, and we've gone and rectified that as well. The other thing about the pre-season games that slightly worries me is that, and this will always happen, is that we're not scoring goals um, and we can't rely on Scott Hogan to, to, to tap them in every game. Last say, Bay will be off for at least a couple of games at the start of the season because he's off to the Olympics with Denmark and congratulations to him and you know nobody should begrudge him on doing that. did it, did occur to me last night actually watching Vibay play that uh, there he was playing in front of, I don't know what the attendance was at Griffin Park on Tuesday night, but it would kind of be much more than a couple of thousand. And the next game he could be playing in front of a major crowd in uh, in one of the Macanara, I can never say that word, in Brazil, um, the stadium there in front of uh, 100,000 uh, rabid Brazilians. It would be quite, uh, quite a difference for him. I'm, I'm slightly concerned that there's a fans forum coming up and uh, you know what normally happens after a fans forum? We normally get rid of a manager. Um, so, so, but I'm, I'm thinking this one may be slightly different. Um, so, I'm, I'm, what I'm expecting this year is, you know, we got. I think I think we will do all right. I think I think when we look look at recruiting players and players that are thinking about coming to Brentford, last year was a tricky one. I think there was they, they they could see that there was a, a bigger picture. They could see that you know we were a progressive team, but I think there was an uncertainty, and I think there was a sort of an instability about the club, which I don't. I'm hoping we don't we, we can avoid completely this year. You know we can get through the season without losing a manager. It'll be fantastic if we can get through the season with a manager whose stock's growing and you know we're building momentum. Then even better, then we can start we can start to get back to players wanting to come to us. And I, I think I do still believe there's a certain amount of serendipity about players that, you know, it has to work. They have to want to come and they're happy with the money and they're happy with the stepping stone and they're happy with lots of factors. And some will work and some won't work. And some agents will go, this is a really good move for you. And other agents will be greedy and it's a wrong agent. And they'll go, no, nah, go to Reading. You know, it's more money. You won't play there, but, you know, you just go there anyway. And I think the I think there's so many factors that need to be working in our favour. When a, when the, when you had that instability, I I really think that was kind of I think that's knocked us off a kilter a bit. I think Smith this year hopefully will be able to sort of just galvanise that kind of that that long-term vision or that medium-term vision that was working for us a couple couple of three seasons ago. So I think this is, yeah, I think it's about getting us back on track here on many levels. But, you know, I'm not, ne- not necessarily that worried about the goals, Nick. I hear what you're saying, but I think that's a little bit of a myth. You know, even last year we were saying we're not scoring enough goals. But, you know, we look at the goals we did score. We, we, were, we were up there with the... We were up there with the top six, weren't we? We were up there with the, the highest goal scorers in the division. So, you know, I, I think we've got the potential to be really, really sort of like powerful in front of goal again. But we are going to be reliant on one or one or two or three individuals. And it's, it's, a, it's a year for the midfielders to start knocking in a few more. It's a, it's a year for, for the Hoff to, 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 to knock in with a few. Um, you know, Vibay. He, he, you know, I, I, when I was putting the video together for the for the um, 
for the you know the season compilation the amount of times vbay's name was being sung you know it was it was kind of like uncanny you know you don't think of him as being sort of like a pretty big striker but he had a really good year for us last year and i know he's going to be missing a couple um at the beginning of this year i, I it, might, it might help him you know um so you know it's, it's about it's about the nine months i think that's what we i think that's what we we forgot last year we looked at last year in, in, in pockets where we looked awful or grey or average. It's, it's a nine-month year, and I think over the nine months, we'll do all right. I wrote an article, um, there's an article up which we actually ask a lot of the Brentford podcast crew just to give their vibes on the season as well. So the Allard's in there, and a Liberal Nick's in there, a load of people as well. And I wrote a little piece as well, you know, my thoughts for the season. And uh, just looking back to last season, you looked at last season, and the thought that I had on last season, a reflection, when you're sitting down there, you've got a bit of time. Is I think that Brentford went into panic mode slightly after you know as we talked about you know the Mark Warburton thing when he left and they wanted to make it right very quickly. So what they did is they did a number of things off their own back. You know, fair enough, that's what people do. They went out there and they said we're going to just get a, a load of players that we want. They signed up a load of players. They had their systems in place and they pulled in. Remember, we had so many players signed up before the end of July. I think it was the really early players that we got signed up. Then the manager came on board, which was Marinus Dijkhausen. So all of a sudden we've got Marinus come in. We've already got these players come in. And then we've got a few more players and some players left and everything like that. And in retrospect, it was all a bit topsy-turvy. Because beforehand, our system always used to be, used to have Uwe Rosler, Mark Robertson and Matt Benham and maybe somebody else sitting around a table going, I think we should have a look at this guy. We should have a look at this guy. So Mark Robertson put his, his uh, 10 pence worth in. You know, um, um, Benham would put his 10 pence worth in and they'd all have a look at them. They'd knock some players back. They'll bring some players in. It always used to work like that. And then all of a sudden, what's happened is this time last year, that didn't happen, really. And I think there's a slight misbalance of what's happened is, and what Laney was talking about now, which I think is a really positive thing, is we put the jigsaw pieces into place where we got Dean Smith in. He had a bit of a kind of shaky first few months, but then also he had a lot of shit to deal with, to be quite honest with you. But now he's been in place, and you can see that he is quite instrumental in bringing players in. I mean, we had what's it, Ledesma, Ledesma, one of his old players as well. Mm-hmm. He was he was he was he was on loan for um he, he, you know he he used to play for Walsall and all of a sudden he's been given a trial. Now you've got to know that Dean Smith's obviously said said have a have a little look at this guy. He's obviously had a look at Sawyer's. He's obviously turned around and said I need a left back. This is the left back that I need. This type of left back, which I think is a really really important thing. So I think we possibly have got the balance right. You don't know how many players that we might have knocked back, which may have been thrown in by the the, the sporting directors and the scouting teams and all that kind of stuff. And he's turned around and said mm, not quite sure about that so I think that we've actually gone into this close season in a much better shape with much better organisation learnt by mistakes pulled in a couple of players haven't pulled in loads of more players looks like we might pull in another player I don't know this Ollie Watkins we're looking at but obviously looking quite hardcore at a winger whether or not it's Ollie Watkins or if it's this Kai Kai from Palace or whether or not it's Jamie Patterson from Forest you know we know exactly what we want and how we're going to get our team and I think that can actually set us up in good stead I think, um, I mean, I, I, Nick was talking about the, um, the, the goal scoring thing. I don't tend to worry too much in pre-season friendlies. Um, I think, I mean, we've, we made plenty of chances last night. It wasn't, it wasn't particularly exciting to watch. Um, but 
you know, we, we we probably should have scored two or three. I would have I would have said. So I don't. I'm not too not too concerned about that at the moment. But I think we still need probably a little some fresh legs. Um, I would. I mean, the, the the winger thing is just somebody with a bit of pace. That really the Canos kind of character. Somebody that you know can do something really really, you know, off the cuff, can run at players with the ball. Um, I mean, you know, if when Judge comes back fit, then then, then obviously, that, you know, he can play that role. But I still think there's a couple more players probably to sort of, you know, complete the jigsaw, so to speak. Yeah, I think I think the, the really important thing is the, the creation of the chances. You know, we, this, it, it, it does get frustrating for, to, for some people, and I, and, I, and I can see it, where... You're thinking, oh God, you know, we're creating all these chances and we're not taking them. But you know, it, we, we do eventually. And you know, it, it, to to create the most chances in the division, you know, probably be out there with the you know the, the biggest goal scorers eventually. Um, with, with Hogan, I'm so excited about him. If, if he can if he can avoid injury or any recovery breaking down with you know with the existing injuries, you know, we we have got something special on our hands here. You know, we, we saw at the tail end of last season that he was he was a, a you know a Kevin Phillips, a, a Gary Lineker, a, a, an elite goal scorer, someone someone who saw the goal and, and the ball ended up in the back of the net, whether it be in the corner or whether it be in the top top corner. He he had to finish with with the opportunity, and the, ironically, the only chance he really missed was a was a penalty. Uh, everything else he seems to sort of like smash in the back of the net and I think that's that's what we need to hold on to is that we have that firepower we, we, have, we have that striker we have a striker that the rest of the division will already be aware of um, and you know money can't money can't buy that at, at, at this level you know that you know a, a player that who's potentially got 20 goals in him next season and we were joking he's got 60 goals in him next season so he's a he's a he's you know he's another eight million pound player already well i mean so, did you happen to mention did you happen to mention two players who used to play for leicester there well there was yeah I, uh, well you know i did yeah well i was, I was waiting i was waiting for someone to pick up on that actually and i think yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Well, i think i i I think another thing about pre-season friendlies is that Brentford at their best play, um, you know, with high intensity. Um, and and when it comes down to it, when was the last time you saw any team play a pre-season friendly with with sort of you know match day competitive high intensity? It it doesn't it doesn't really happen. Um, and there's various reasons for that. Um, not least of all, you don't want players probably absolutely charging and getting injured, etc. Um, so again, I'm not, I'm not over, I'm not over worried at the moment by the, you know, by the supposed lack of, op- lack of, um, you know, you know, goal scoring options, um, and um, you know, I would say it's fair to middling at the minute. Just, I mean, and talk about the friendlies. Obviously, like I said, it's boring word. We had the friendly in Germany, which is at Bochum, uh, Kaiserslautern, and the Peterborough game as well. I mean, what players have actually impressed you? Because again, I think with these pre-season friendlies, I mean, personally, I really, you know, I don't, I don't get too excited about friendlies, whether or not they're Brentford friendlies or England friendlies. Got excited about the Germany friendly because you go to Germany and it's different. It's a different vibe. But in general, you know that you can't really take too much away from friendlies. I mean, I remember there was that year when I think we beat. 
Tunbridge Angels 10-0 or 11-0, something like that. We, we thought we were going to romp the league that day, and I think we struggled, didn't we? You know, so um, you know, so you can't take too much from friendlies, but what you can take is you can have a little look at how certain players are, you know, certain things that you might be doing tactically. I'm just wondering if there's anything that you've taken from these friendlies so far, player-wise, tactical-wise, or just anything about the team at all? Um, I I think there, there was a lot of talk. There's been some talk about playing three at the back, um, and um, in the last years we haven't seen quite down to that. Um, but we also haven't seen Bielsa, and so maybe there's a maybe he's a key player if we are going to try and play three at the back in some games, um, or maybe we've just been the idea already. I don't know. We're gonna. I guess we'll we'll find out when Bielsa's fit again. Um, in terms of players, um, Woods. I think as it almost for me looks like he may have moved up another level, and you get that sometimes, don't you? You know, even though even though they only have four weeks off, and then they have a season, a player comes back and he looks like he stepped up another level. And and to be honest, I, I I can see some the confidence in Woods in the last couple of games has been you know exceptional. He's look he's, he's almost running the games, and um, and I think he had, I think we've said before on the podcast he's got the potential to develop into that sort of player. And the other player is McLeod. I mean, you know, uh, from what we've seen of him, he he's looked like you know something a little bit different. He could be the player that really sort of he could be the player that is the real new signing that stands out. It's interesting you talk about the you talk, you talk about the three five two actually. And again, this is something remember we talked about the at the back end of last season as well. We talked about the idea of Brentford uh, playing three five two with Bellend as well. Um, Bellend might even go into midfield. You never, you never know. There might be a few little switches here. But I, I think possibly the reason why they may have been so far the three-five-two is the lack of a left back. I mean, we've tried it. We've got a couple of you know youth team you know players. You know, we had Field and everything like that playing at left back. But I think that they really need an experienced left back. Um, say little left back or wing back or whatever you want to call them, sort of playing in that position. And I think that maybe he may be looking to try it out again when we've got this new Leicester player, Callum Elder, playing inside there. And then we'll see exactly what we can do with also BLN featuring in there somehow. Do you quite like the? Do you quite like it that then don't panic? They wait for their the right player to come along. You know, like. They obviously knew they needed a left-back after, you know, um, Bidwell had gone. But they don't just get anyone in. They, they, they just they, they wait. So they'll, they'll, they'll adapt the squad to, to, to cope until they get the right player to come along. Um, and I'm kind of, I, quite like that. I quite like that sort of methodic kind of focus. Um, I think years gone by will be, OK, what, what, who's available? Is the left-back list? Um, he's all right. Get him in. Um, and it's, it's kind of like... Well, well, we'll we will get one. We'll get the right person, but you know, it might it might you know take a few more weeks. So you know, I think in an ideal world, we'd go out and spend whatever. But I think you know, we're learning year on year how the reality of our position and what we're up against. You know, that you know, we we wrote and we talked extensively last year about parachute payments and. And what what Brentford are actually up against, and we, we need to constantly just. I know it's dull sometimes, but we just need to kind of just keep refocusing on where we're at, you know. Um, and you know, this 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 you know Australian left back hopefully is the one. Um, so they they they've bided their time and they they've not panicked and they uh, hopefully they'll get their man. Don't forget as well. Don't forget the fact is that 
he we've we've known Bidwell's going for six months. We're not saying that he's told us, but for six months we've been talking about this. Bidwell's off, so the club have been preparing since probably December or before December for Bidwell to go because they've offered him a new contract. He didn't sign his new contract and they said, listen, we don't want to be caught short, just like the same thing they did with Button. So they have been looking around and they've had players on their plate they've been looking at. Two, two things. I mean, I agree with Matt about McLeod and, uh, and Woods. Both of them, I think, have stepped up. Um, there's going to be no room for sympathy this year at uh, centre-back. Um, Egan looked really strong. Uh, Barbe, we haven't mentioned at all this evening, and he can play on the left, um, and possibly even could be, you know, thinking about being played at left back because he's got some pace in him. Barbe as well. So Dean Smith has got a, you know, he's going to have no, um, he, he can't mess around with what his centre back pairings are going to be, and he's going to have to make some hard choices on that. Um, the other person who has impressed me in pre-season, though, is Sawyers, who, who almost, I think, is one step ahead of some of our other players. And it'll be interesting to see as the season goes on how he develops. Because um, last last couple of games I've seen Sawyers play, he's always been um, p- pinging balls, expecting players to be in certain areas. And, and, and the, the, the thinking isn't quite there from the other his other teammates around it. And actually, I think when when they get to understand where Soros will be putting balls for them to run onto, I think we could be in for some quite impressive stuff. It could be as well. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I feel the same about Soros. Um, he he could be that sort of link player that can just you know. Ball to his feet, lay it off. Ball to his feet, lay it off. He seems to know what's going on around him, um, and um, and but maybe yeah, like you say, he's a little bit a step ahead at the moment. Um, he's he's. I, I think he's going to be a really interesting player to watch. Sawyer's. He he looks like he's got time on the ball, which normally means he's which normally means he's a good player. Um, and um, he he's a he's a. I, I don't think he's going to be an instant impact player. Um, if people, you know, I don't think he's necessarily the sort of player that's going to pick the ball up, run at players, and score wonder goals. But he just could be the guy that links everything together. So, so um, promising signs there as well. I feel indeed, and and, and and as you said, Lewis McLeod was the one that sort of kind of stuck out to me. Uh, the few games that I saw him playing in, I thought that he was uh, exciting. He was he was potty for it, you know. He liked to pick up the ball. He used to like to run. He was, he was skillful, and uh, I just thought this is something that we are so we are missing, but something that we definitely need in the side. I was actually almost like a little bit surprised because he's been in the side for so long and done nothing. You know, you expect that when he comes back, he's just going to you know tap the ball around a little bit and play around and just chill out. But no, no, not at all. Completely different type of player, and uh, and I think that he is going to be exciting. Yeah. Still agree, still agree with you though that um, and I agree with Matt that we are still missing a couple of players, I think, that will actually make our side really tick. And it's that whole really, really creative element that I think that we are missing. We've got the left-back now, but, you know, we talked about Hotter before, you know. Hotter was great, but Hotter's gone. He ain't coming back, you know. Listen, everyone needs to know that. He's not coming back to Brentford. So we need to kind of move with that because he gave us something which we could, you know, create something out of nothing. Sometimes, you know, and he, he used to put defences, you know, on their toes as they were. And, you know, we still kind of need that little element inside. So, you, you know, I, the only time I've seen McLeod is at Brighton. Um, and that's a, that's a night to forget. So, um, you know, Judge is the kind of um, brilliant player, the flair player, the one that can, he's the conjurer, the magician. 
you know, is is McLeod from what you've seen capable of emulating anything like that? He's 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 slightly different. He's slightly different to Judge. Um, he doesn't. He probably hasn't quite got the pace Judge has got. But what he has got is when he gets the ball to his feet, it'll it'll literally produce a bit of magic, and the ball will pop out at still at his feet somewhere else. And he's um, he just looks a really good footballer. Um, and you know, and he, and he also wears classic black coloured boots as well. So that looks quite cool with the black socks. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's all part. Maybe that's all part of the. Um, maybe that's all part of it. But I tell you, he 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 really looks like a like 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 a good footballer. I'm really looking forward to him. He could be the real sort of, you know, the the guy that does something, you know, absolute magic and turns games and stuff. Um, I'm I'm hoping he gets a good run in the team. Just, I'm just hoping he stays fit. Him and Hogan. Let's just keep our fingers crossed, and I hope I haven't just jinxed it there that both of them stay fit for you know the first few months of the season and get a good what? run, get you know match fit. And what are we expecting from McEachern? Um Well, I, do, do you know what this is? This is we, we 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 talked about missing you know not having the flair player. My other concern really is centre midfield because <clears throat> although Woods is impressed. I still think, and I know, you know, I was never, you know, I wasn't one of these guys that was holding on to the past so much, but I do think, you know, we're down to McCormack when it comes to a midfield enforcer, and there are definitely games, and there are definitely runs you get on when you lose two or three games on the spin, and let's accept that is going to happen, where you do need somebody in midfield to boss things about. Um, McCracken, you know, at the moment, he's not that guy. I don't think Woods is that guy. I'm not convinced Yonaris is, so... So, so we've still got McCormack, but, but possibly that's another sort of area where I would like to see us strengthen. I'm going to ask a question. Do you think Belland is going to might flip in there? Well, it's it, a good point, Bill. I've not seen him play in midfield. I'm aware he does. He has played in midfield. Um, so um, yeah, I, I can't. I, I can't answer that. Um, I could. I could make it up and pretend I know the answer, but I don't because I've, I've hardly seen him play. Norris is another one that you know we have to consider as almost like a new signing. You know, he's in a new position. Sorry to interrupt you, Bill. That was you know just you know Norris is almost like you you almost forget you've got him. He's, he's someone that was a was a fullback. They're obviously not considering him in that in that position anymore. He's he's in he's in the midfield mix, isn't he? Yeah, and and and, and one, maybe one of these players, probably more likely Woods or Yanaris, will develop into that player. But whether it, they've got that next season it remains to be seen. Um, McCracken, he's a decent footballer, um, but I, you know, I think um, he, he's 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 a player you have when you you know when you're winning games and stuff. He's he'll look good, but but when you're in a battle, I'm not. I'm, I personally am not convinced he's the guy for that. And we're talking about players out. I'd like to be proven wrong. Yeah, we're talking about players out as well. Obviously, we talked about David Button. Um, I mean, David Button. I think that David Gutman was at the he was at the poker table and he had a really good hand. And then he decided to do a couple of bluffs. And then before you knew it, he had a really bad hand and he didn't know that he had a bad hand. And he went, "Oh no, I fluffed it." Button, you know, he he, he wouldn't sign the new contract. And before we say that, love Button. I think he's a brilliant bloke, brilliant keeper, brilliant everything like that. But people around him saying, listen, go for more money. Go and push and push and push. And as we said, we talked about it before. Brentford have turned around and said, tell you something, this is this is our limit. And I think people have to realise that. We're saying this is our limit, whether it's 10 grand or 12 grand or 40, whatever our limit is. For week, I've got no idea. Or um, that's, But that's what it is. And if a player comes in and says, I want... X amount, you know, whether or not it's from within Brentford or from the outside, we can actually very much turn around to them and say, 
we can't play that because once they pay it for one, it's a domino effect. It all goes horribly wrong and before we know it, you know, there's loads of money going out and then our finances go completely up the spout. They're already up the spout at the moment now. So they've turned around to Button and they've said no. He's pushed it, he's pushed it, he's pushed it. And uh, and like I said to you, they went and signed our keeper. They signed Bentley. And uh, when I saw Button in Germany, and I remember called out to him, he's sitting on the bench, and I thought he'll get a second half of this game. He didn't get any of that game. He got the whole of the game. He just sat out on the bench, you know, and I chatted to him afterwards. The interview's up on besotted.co.uk. I said, come on, Button, man, we love you, mate. Why didn't you, why didn't you sign? And he was, you know, it's out of my hands now, but he looked a bit shook, to be quite honest with you. And he's, it's almost like the move that he's made went horribly wrong. And you could tell it went horribly wrong because the fact is that if you're going to be moving for Brentford, you want to be accelerating, you know, you want to be going up a next level. You know, you want to be going to the Premier League or going for a team which is pushing for promotion. But he's actually ended up having to play and go across to Fulham, which you can say is a, it's a sideways move. Some people might say it's a backwards move. Yes, he got more money. But the fact is that from what I can gather... He's not even guaranteed a first-team place because they've got a keeper and they're battling out between the two of them. So, for him, that uh, wasn't the best move in the world, was it? Billy, I've got two words for David Button, and that's Simon Moore. Yeah. Look, what happened to, look what happened to Simon Moore when he left Brentford as well. Went to Cardiff City um, and, you know, is sitting on the bench at Cardiff City, no doubt, on a good wage packet too. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, you know... Fair play to Button if he wants to maximise his earnings. I always say this to players: you know, if they, if they want to go, let them go because there's, there's no good hanging around. Bentley is is a good replacement. Um, he's highly thought of. I mean, I've, I heard Phil Brown talk about him um, on his transfer, and Phil Brown was 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 saying he's a future England goalkeeper. Um, good luck to good luck to Bentley. Um, he looks he looks to be a good shot stopper. Let's see, you know, thank you for your services. Welcome, David Bentley. Yeah, welcome, David Bentley. And yeah, I, I, it's a shame he's gone to Fulham, to be honest, because you, you, you just wish him all the all the luck in the world. And he, he has been he has been a very good goalkeeper for Brentford, David Button. And you know, he, he, he seems to be he seems to be labelled with this poor distribution tag, which I, I don't necessarily agree with because most most of the year most of the years like we've, we've used him, he's been rolling the ball out from the back, and you know, you expect him to hit a you know hit a postage stamp. 50 yards down the pitch from a from a kick, you know it's kind of like it's a, it's, a, it's a, very few goalkeepers can pull that off. He, he is a he is a maturing, very accomplished, very capable goalkeeper, and he's, he's up there with my top five goalkeepers, Brentford goalkeepers of all time. So um, you know you you wish him well. Most other clubs apart from Fulham. <laughs> so yeah, and, and also talking about rival clubs as well. Obviously we've got um, Bidwell. Okay, reliable player, very professional player. He was our captain last season. You know, he wasn't necessarily the best player in the world, but he was reliable. You knew that he he did what he had to do on the left-hand side. Sometimes he got taken out, sometimes he didn't. But he was a reliable left-back, difficult position to fill at times. But again, from time, you know, we were talking about this from the beginning of the year. Um, You know, I said straight up, Bidwell's, he's off. You know, he's been here for five years. Um, He wants more money. He hasn't got a new contract, so we need to be thinking about this. And everyone says, ah, offer him more money and this, that, the other. But I think this is a key scenario, and I talked about this before, where last season, you know, we had a bit of a weird season, especially in the middle there. We had the Tarky strike. We had, you know, all these players leaving and bad vibes and everything like that. But for me, the good thing I think about it now is that, you know, 
Bidwell has gone. You know, I'm not saying great, he's got, but he's gone. He obviously didn't want to be there 100%. He doesn't want to play for him. We need to have players who want to play for Brentford and also want to play for Dean Smith. I think that Dean Smith pretty much has got his team now, players who actually want to play for him. So we've actually got a vibe. We've got a vibe of team. It's kind of like when we went up, when we started to build a vibe of players around the manager who wanted to be there. You know, and this whole vibe when you've got players, you see that they're looking at the door to see what they can get elsewhere. Let them go. Let them go and let's stick with players who actually want to play with us and build around them. So at the end of the day, if Bidwell wants to go, if he wants to go to QPR, let him go to QPR. We'll get somebody else in who actually wants to play for us. And I think that's a good thing. But the question I'm going to ask is, are there any? Are we going to lose any other players this window, do you think? Um, I completely and utterly agree with you about Bidwell. Um, I, I think there's always a time when a player moves on anyway. You know, we, we know that we're not in the 10-year, um, you know, uh, testimonial era anymore. Uh, players come and we, you know, hopefully get good value out of them and they use their experience at Brentford um, too. And I think we kind of probably had, had maxed out with, with Bidwell. He was a really good, steady Eddie player and um, I'm not sure he was captain quality at Brentford and it's really difficult to, to, talk, to talk about him without it sounding like I'm, I'm, I'm going to slag him off but um, and, and I, cause I, cause I really don't mean to because you know, I, I think he's been a really good player for us but QPR seem to have made an effort instead of spending stupid money on has-beens they, they've made an effort now to try and study who are the best players in in and around the championships to kind of solidify their position. But I don't think they pulled the right one. Um, I, I think Brentford were at the stage where they thought that they were going to be able to need to be better in that left-back position. And I think, I think we both reached a position where it was a good time for both of them to leave. I think it was good for Brentford that he left and it was good for Bidwell that he left. So, um, you know, I just but it, you know, we need to replace him. Where, where Bentley, we, we, we brought him in before Button went. In an ideal situation, we would have brought in, in, in Bidwell's you know, replacement already, but you know, that, that didn't quite happen. It's interesting as well because you talked about you talked about um, QPR and the way that they. I mean, I'm quite impressed by the way that QPR have been looking and plucking and not necessarily spending the money. Probably because their owner said, "I spent loads of money with this Harry Redknapp character. I want you to come in, Mister Hasselbank, and to sort this out, mate, and just try and get some players for cheaper who are probably as good or will be as good in a few years' time." So yeah, he's tried a few things, and fair play to them. Um, you know, you've got to tip your hat to somebody when you say they're going to do that. Whether or not it'll come off or not, I don't know. But also, just looking around the league, they're actually been quite a few teams who I think have actually been um, interestingly spending and spending you know I mean Fulham are one team as well I mean Fulham be going out there and they've been buying players quite interestingly will they be a force I mean I, I don't think Fulham if they get it right are going to be the mess that they were last season I don't I, you know I, I don't think so I might be wrong like you know so it's interesting another team actually which has also been buying very interestingly is Huddersfield I think they bought 13 players they might have done what we did because they've got a lot of players from all over Europe they've bought them in will their manager be able to make them click but he's been very clever and he's a very good manager plays good football so that first game of the season is going to be very interesting Huddersfield will be interesting Bristol City as well they keep on trying trying they've got money but they're interesting team Bristol City as well and they've got a fairly decent manager so they might be interesting but also the team who I think are the danger team at the moment now pop out the blue are Leeds United They've been buying, interestingly, they've got Roof, you know, they've got Munk as their manager. They've been buying 
picking up players left, right and centre very, very interestingly. And like I said to you, um, these are sort of teams that were never, never in the frame. But this season, there could be a big difference, don't you think? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think you can almost talk yourself into getting into a, a bit of a panic um, because of um, you know what, what what teams are going out there and spending money on and and the fact that you know we we, we we certainly in terms of paying transfer fees we seem to be a long way behind you know virtually everybody in the league um, but um, I, st- I still think we'll give it a few weeks and see what happens um, you know is the league going to be much stronger than last year I mean I thought I, I, you know last year year on year I expected last year to be stronger than the year before and it's and it certainly wasn't. Um, so yeah, I, I, I so sometimes I think you know I, th- I think Bidwell's maybe a good example. There's a lot of QPR supporters keep saying to me, "Oh, brilliant! We've got your left back and your captain. You know, this is going to be fantastic." And I'm saying, "Well, he's he's okay. You know, he's a he's a reasonable player. He's you know he he plays most games, but um, but is he the signing of the season? He probably isn't, to be brutally honest." Um, so let's, you know, I think I don't want to get into panic mode at the moment, but it does seem like yeah, there's an awful lot of money being splashed around in this league. I think I I I think um, that a lot of clubs are thinking the same, roughly the same way that I am, which is that actually there is only one automatic promotion spot up for uh, competition this season. I think everybody is assuming that Newcastle will be going up automatically, probably as champions. And um, I was listening to somebody today who was saying, you know, the only the only value bet on Newcastle getting promoted is whether they'll get over 100 points in the championship um, this season. So that leaves one automatic promotion space. And that's why a lot of those clubs that you've just mentioned um, are spending some money to chase that, that, that one space. So if we can move ourselves into a position where we get, you know, Matthew Benham was, was in his email was very um, to, to, to season ticket holders was very honest and said, you know, I'm looking for a top six space. Um, I think that if Dean Smith, achieves a top six space this year he will have done extremely well um and will deserve every plaudit going and indeed probably will deserve a manager of the year given the budget that he'll be operating under i think i think you're right there's, there's a lot of shrewd business being done a, a lot more shrewd business being done there's a few of these signings that have got taken in place and i'm thinking oh yeah yeah <laughs> That's, that's, that's a really good signing. Cut years, year, you know, like this time last year or two years ago, they, they weren't. They were just like predictable signings or, you know, I think there's a lot more thought gone into it. What do you think, Bill? Um, I think 100%, and like I said to you, just slightly nervous because, you know, and we t- again, we talked about this last year in the podcast, it's like this whole keeping one step ahead of the game. You know, we try and keep one step ahead of the game, which some people still don't quite get, but, you know, we have to do it because we haven't got the money. So we're keeping one step ahead of the game. But what I get worried about is that if people start to catch up with us, they start to learn. Because what they'll do is if you're successful, they start to learn your methods, copy your methods, start copying you, sort of training you, doing what you're doing. So you start getting a little bit nervous. That, you know, I mean, the simple ways that Nick was saying, people are just basically following us around, seeing who we're going to sign, and then they go in there and they pop in and they'll offer an extra two grand or three grand on top of what we're offering now, you know? So the fear that I have is that when we look at the players that we didn't get, are people copying and learning what we're doing and then trying to get better than us? And that means that if that is the case, that means that we have to continue to keep evolving because unless we turn up with the wheelbarrow with loads of money to compete with them we have to keep one step ahead of them and that's the game but anyway listen that's it from the playing front but also 
the one thing, like I said to you, which was really, really cool, when I went over to Germany and I started to go around and I had the video camera and I was chatting to all the Brentford fans, the vibe that I got from everybody was really good this season. So I think it'd be really good to talk about things from a fan's perspective, um, fan's predictions, fan's perspective about what you feel about this season and what's going in and around the club, just in a general fan sense. So, new season, and the fans are vibed up from what I can gather. Just had a bit of a beer break, and they still a break. Not, none of this English beer that you all talk about. This is some sort of Spanish business that we're talking about now. It's pouring out a bit of a bit of a beer break. But Lane, are you having, having a beer break as well? Were you? Yeah, I've um, I've got a fix now. Yeah, it's um, a fix Hellas. It's mm. called. It's um, five point five percent. Yeah, it's very nice. But listen, flipping back. On the fans, like I said, I went to Germany, fans were vibing. They had a really, really positive attitude, but it wasn't a sort of arrogant positive attitude. Everyone seemed to be sort of resigned to Brentford, basically having a, a decent season, and it's almost like if they put their head above the parapet, they'll be happy. So there was a time where I think that everyone expected us, you know... To, to be promotion favourites and to win and everything like that. But I think that everyone's tapped back their, their expectations to a certain extent. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on that one, Nick? Uh, as I wrote for the, um, or, you know, in the uh, article that gone up on the web today, I think we're going to finish 12th. Um, and I'd be perfectly happy with that. What I actually really, really want is a good cup run. Uh, don't mind which one, don't mind whether it's the uh, League Cup or whatever it's now called, or the FA Cup, but it would be nice, you know, another quarter-final uh, or even a semi-final game and, you know, and perhaps one could even dream and say that we'll see Brentford winning at um, uh, at Wembley uh, in, a, in a final, but maybe that's a step too far. So I'm, I'm happy with, you know, like last season, perhaps avoiding the scares which we had around uh, February, March time. And let's have a good cup run uh, and enjoy that one. Brentford women at Wembley, Nick. You've been on mushrooms, haven't you? <laughs> you never know. It will happen one day, and hopefully I might still be alive to see it. It will happen. It will happen. Nick, your thoughts? I mean, the fans. Um, I, I guess you mean Matt, as you've just done, Nick. So, um, no, I said I'll, Nick, I'll, sorry. I'll, I said that. I'll, 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 I'll <laughs> At least he didn't call you a liberal. <laughs> I, tried, I tried to step up to the plate. Um, you know I'm, what, glad, I'm, glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad my views are listened to with such due respect. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just about to big you up for a second time, Nick. Um, um, I, I actually read, I read, I read the article, interested to see what other people said, and, um, and, and I actually agree 100% with Nick about the cut run thing. I think, um, I, <clears throat> I, I know there's a lot of positivity coming out of the club, and stuff. Um, I, I I suspect we're going to settle into the season and find that, you know, as I as, as I wrote in the article, there's going to be two or three teams that are virtually untouchable, um, and then and then there'll be a scramble for maybe fourth to sixth place at best. Um, but a cup run, yeah. Let let let's just because because even if last year had been broken up with a cup run, I think there may have been less of the sort of you know friction we saw. Um, you know when we when we hit these bad runs, if you can imagine, if we just pick, say, won a couple of FA Cup games, took three or four FA Cup games during um, January and February, the atmosphere around the club could have been completely different. Even if we had been losing the 
you know, the league games. And maybe, although maybe ultimately it would have worked against us, and we'd have had too many games and players getting injured, and who knows? But, but yeah, I, 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 I think, um, I think people need something to, um, to sort of, you know, to, to look forward to and to aim for, and, um, and. And then, and then, hopefully, a bit more harmony on the on the terraces. Um, so I think we sort of, you know, let, wipe the slate clean at the beginning of the season, and um, and um, you know, and, and, and keep our fingers crossed. I'd, I'd, uh, having listened to that package, I'd, I, it seems to me that the vast majority of Brentford fans are kind of growing into this comfort of of, of they're, they're they're comfortable in their shell. Where they, that, that we they feel and we feel that we are worthy and we we deserve to be at the second tier. We 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 are a, we are a, you know I said it earlier in the podcast. We are a, a forward-thinking, progressive football club who who um, won't always get it right, but we we're kind of on we're ahead of the curve slightly still, um, and it's exciting. Um, and just for me. You know, after 40 years of, 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 of relative misery, and that's not to say that, you know, I've, I've, that's, 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 where my, that's where my limit is. And I'm always going to say I'm just happy to be here. But, you know, I think we will continue to be happy to be here playing the teams that we'll be playing. And it's probably arguably the strongest championship team of all time next year. You know, 2016-17 season is probably the strongest championship team side set up has ever been um we've got newcastle we've got villa you know brighton who are going to be pushing for it we've we've, we've got the, we've got qbr we've got we've got fulham we've got it's an amazing division next year um you know, we've got all that to look forward to and I, I think the vast majority of fans are really excited still and there's a very 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 small minority of fans who for whatever reason either their expectations are so high or there's agendas, or you know, but I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to sort of concentrating on, on the new season rather than the, the negatives of last year. So you know, I, I think the, the, as I said, you know, the vast majority of fans have got it completely spot on. You know, we, we are a small fish in a, in a, in a big sea still, but we are going to really upset some people again. And it's going to be another really good year for us. I've got to ask, I'll ask a question. And this is not like, I mean, I'm just actually asking this question because I really want to know because it's quite good coming away from Brentford for a few months. I mean, as you can see, we've kind of pretty much switched off, you know, for a few months. We did our Euros thing. We've just gone away. And it's been really nice because it's refreshed the brain. Now, last season, you know, there was a lot of antagonism. There was, you know, a lot of bile to a certain extent for various reasons. You know, there's bile on, on players like Swift. Like, you know, he got loads of abuse. You know, um, even the chairman got loads of abuse. The owner got loads of abuse. The manager got loads of abuse. There's all sorts of stuff going on at various times during the season, saying we're doing things right, we're doing things wrong. What a mess up. Yes. Um, and interesting, we'll talk about this in a minute as well. Obviously, Matt Venom just put out an, an email recently, wrote it to the season ticket holders, where he explained a lot of things, which, again, was very interesting. We talked about a lot of these things beforehand, and I think he talked a lot about a lot of these things in our Besotted interview, but it was nice to see that he put them into a, a broader email. But the question I'm going to ask you is that, really, we brought a lot of players, and even within our little ring ourselves, we got a little WhatsApp ring which we discussed things. Um, there was question marks regarding certain players that we brought in, 
um, about the quality of recruitment around all sorts of stuff that was going on around the club. Now, I'm just wondering, with fresh eyes and relaxed, relaxed attitude now, what, what are your real thoughts, you know? Are the players that bad? Are, are, are they half decent? Are they actually quite good? Have they taken a long time to bed in? I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts in general with what went on last season? Because obviously it didn't quite go according to plan, but in the end, did it kind of work out in itself? The, I'm still not 100% convinced. At the end of last season, I said and got criticised for it, I think by you, Bill, but by others, is that I wasn't convinced that Dean Smith knew what his best team was. Um, and what I've seen in pre-season, I'm still not 100% certain that Dean Smith knows what his best team is. Now, you know, I open, I... I lay myself open to a lot of criticism by that because pre-season games are a bad one because, of course, there'll only be, you know, you're, you're never, you're going to chop and change because players are uh, getting fit or uh, getting back from injury or you want to try different styles, want to try different systems. But, you know, as, as a casual fan, I'm still not entirely certain what it is that, 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 that Dean Smith thinks are his best 11 players, his best starting 11. Um, I said at the end of last season that I felt that he was um, fortunate in that due to a run of injuries and stuff, he found what the best team was because those were the players that he had to play with him. Now, you know, I, I offer those as a genuine comment. It's in no way criticism. Um, you know, he knows far more about football than I'll ever know. Um, but that's just my one proviso as we start the football season. But I'm going to say to you, and, and, and again, I looked at the pre-season friendlies and I thought, fair enough, but what, the one thing I did think about these pre-season friendlies, if, if anything, is he's actually pushed the barrier a lot forward, and somebody mentioned it earlier, in bringing the young players through, the players who might be B-team but maybe going to the A-team. He's actually given them a platform, whereas... I would have thought, oh come on, let's let's play your let's play Colin on the right and play you know whoever on the left. But 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 no, he's actually hasn't done that. So, and that's what I'm talking about the three the, the three the three and the, the three at the back thing. He's sort of thinking, well, I haven't maybe got the players to do this at the moment now because I still need a left back. For him, I think he's still experimenting, and he might not actually play the team that he wants to play at Huddersfield until Millwall, where you'll actually see, all right, here he goes, Colin's going to be in the side, you know, the new guy from Leicester's going to be on the left, he's going to have his two in the centre probably, and we'll actually see the team then. But before then, it's all been, you know, experimentation. And to be quite honest with you, I saw the Peterborough team that they put out, and to be quite honest with you, I mean, I'm over here now, I decided not to watch it on YouTube, because not because of the disrespect to the team, but I was just thinking... There's still a bit of experimentation going on here, and I've seen it all before, and uh, I'll probably watch it back on a replay rather than watching it live. Um, all right, so, so we so we start the season with a team with our first team having played 45 minutes of football together. I don't think I don't think it matters to be honest with you. You know, I, I don't I don't think it's one team, one club in this pre-season sort of warm-up phase. That have been playing their starting eleven all the way through. You know, it, it's just a, it's just doesn't happen. You know, I, I think I think we all hit the grounds, um, and I, I think we'll do it. I think we'll do it in a in a in a in a better way than we did last year. I, I, I am expected to go to Huddersfield and win again. I, I don't think we are that dramatically a different team. I think we were head and shoulders above Huddersfield, unless they've become well beaters over the summer, which 
is unlikely. You know, they, they might have brought a lot of players in, but to expect them to gel on day one is, you know, we, we, we know, we know, you know, it may happen. We might get played off the park and they might smash this 5-0. It, it's unlikely. You know, we, 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 have, we have got some stability. We have got some ability and we, we have got some track record last year to show that we're dangerous. They're going to treat us with maximum respect. They're not going to go gung gung ho and all guns blazing at us. You know, they're, they're going to attack us. Of course, they're the home team on the first day of the season. They're going to set the stall out. But we go there uh, with a bit of a swagger. If I'm honest with you, we go there slightly confident, not arrogant. We would never be arrogant. I don't. Th- I don't think we'll ever be an arrogant team in this division. But we'll go there confident that we are able to, to give them a proper game of football. And I think we will. And I think we'll win. What? What, what, what often, what quite often happens, and I'm pretty sure we did this last year, is um, <clears throat> is you go to the, the pre-season friendlies and you 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 put all the new um, signings out there um, to, to have a look at them, and then you get to the first game of the season and you pretty much go back to what you know, um, and um, and there's every chance. You, but sorry, sorry, but the point I was going to make was I don't think there's as much chance of that happening this year. Um, I think um, you know. I think I, I also think last year we got a bit messed up with um, with with injuries and stuff. But certainly Bielan didn't start the first game, and he was our highest ever signing for the you know against Ipswich. Um, this year, I I, I think um, some, sometimes it takes a little bit longer than pre-season to actually work out all the you know who your best players are because because pre-season isn't always the best time to to really judge players. I mean, ultimately, what is pre-season for? It's about getting your players match fit for one thing so you know so they're playing probably progressively 45 minutes 60 minutes maybe 90 minutes probably not even 90 minutes at Millwall so so you're really you know you still often go into this into the season not necessarily knowing what your best side is so I'm, 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 I'm still you know like, like I said at the beginning of the podcast I'm not going to lose too much sleep over it yet from Smith's perspective you've got to look what's his objectives He's not, he's, not, he's not trying to change the way we play football. All he's, all he's really, I mean, the way we finish the season, that's how he wants to start it. He's, he, all he really is focused on is replacing what he's lost. So the rest, the rest of it is hoping that he can continue in the same vein. He's not, we're not going to try, we're not going to play a completely, you know, in an ideal world, a completely different style of football. No. You know, once we've got our left back there in place, it, it, we're going we're gonna to be playing hopefully the same style we were. So it's about improving or replacing what we've lost, and really all we've lost is a left back and a goalkeeper. I think, and this has also been spoken a little bit about earlier on on the podcast. I think Nick, Nick picked this up. I think the centre back thing will be interesting. I'm going to assume we're going to play, um, you know, two in the middle at the back rather than three in the first game, just from what I've seen in, in the recent pre-season friendlies. Um, so the you know the obvious option is to go back to what you know and pick Dean and um, Barbe, which who finished off last season. That leaves John Egan on the bench. Is that going to happen? That's that, that's an interesting thing, and um, you'll probably learn a little bit about Dean Smith when you when you see that starting lineup. Yeah, indeed, and you know we're talking about the starting lineup. Like I said to you, we're looking about the Huddersfield lane, looking confident. Um, but also, to talk about the owner, I mean, Matt Benham sent uh, an email recently, like I said, to all the fans, which is quite interesting. Quite an honest email, sort of from the heart as well. Talked about a lot of things, you know, talked about the mistakes that they made, exactly where he wants to see the team, you know, he expects the, the where the team will be. He actually says that he, 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 he says we want to be 
in the top six this season and we'll see where we go from there which I thought was quite interesting talked about what we learned from last season new signings talked about the B team as well which is interesting because we were talking about the B team recently because we had a player Josh Bahui who um, is a Brentford player we signed him when he was 11 and uh, he's now been picked up by Manchester United uh, the reason why is that he actually was offered a new contract <coughs> by Brentford about six or seven months ago but he didn't sign it um, and he's now gone off to Man United part of the reason why is actually is that the guy who scouted him at Brentford came from uh, Dulwich, uh, Dulwich Hamlet one of my uh, one of my old loves there actually so he came from Dulwich scouted him at Brentford he's actually now ended up at Manchester United as a scout for various reasons um, he left the club um, under certain cloudy conditions again you know well, can't talk about it too much because we need to find a little bit more and it's not doing that but he apparently is a very very good guy very very good scout but he ended up actually leaving the club when there was a, a couple of changes in personnel at the top and it all got a little bit messy from what I can gather <coughs> so he went to move off and he ended up at Manchester um, and Man United I think via Norwich and he's obviously had his eye on Josh Bahui from time and he's just said, listen, we got to nab this guy and he's probably been in his ear and said to him, don't sign a new contract. So he hasn't signed a new contract and he's pulled him into Man United. So it kind of really highlights the problems that they have had in when you develop kids over three, four, five or six years and if somebody big comes in and offers you a car or a house or whatever, like things that they may do to your parents and yourself, it makes it very difficult for clubs like Brentford. So but anyway, he, he, he's mentioned that. And then talked about being bad luck, but um, just guys, just coming back to Matt Benham's email, what were your thoughts on that? Did it surprise you, and did you think it was a good thing? I thought it was a good thing in terms of uh, communication. Um, I think it's a, a good, a good uh, exercise to kind of get the, the fans and the owner thinking or kind of calibrating that. You know what, what you know. What, what's possible this season? What's expected this season? Um, I'm, I'm just aware of what what is what is kind of like the the, the parameters of success. So yeah, I, I think it's I think it's good in it, as an exercise. I think I think the communication between the people that run the club and, and the fans is always a good thing. I, I agree agree with Dave. And what was nice to see is the way it reads. It's quite clearly it was written by Matthew Benham as well. It wasn't just written by his PR people for him. Um, the only thing I would criticise uh, Matthew for is that at the end he says that he doesn't want fans to be chanting his name because he doesn't like that. If anything was now guaranteed that the first uh, the first home game at Griffin Park of the new season, people aren't chanting Matthew Benham, then I'm a Dutchman. <laughs> Don't talk about podcast people when they're not here. But... Um... But, but it's also yeah, which is. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but no, but, I mean, and again, I, again, you know, we take the club off for their terrible communication and the things, certain things that they do, and they put their hands up and say, you know, fair enough, terrible communication. However, I think here they've actually kind of put their hands up and they've actually done something which is good for, for us a lot of this information and for a lot of people that listen to this podcast stuff that we've discussed beforehand it's probably not anything that's not anything new but I think that and this is something that we've learned is that besides we put sort of information out there and we say XYZ is happening but people only when they see it officially on an official site it's a rubber stamp and I think for Matt Benham to actually send out an email like this and actually telling people about the problems maybe about finances about new signings about problems about last season they can actually kind of pull off a little bit and they actually kind of get a bit more of an understanding as to the fact that we're not Manchester United or Liverpool here we're, we're little Brentford and we still have to kind of like you know punch above our weight to a certain extent to actually kind of get things happening 
Bill, the just, one thing I would just, say, the, the, important thing, the important thing, though, is that this can't be a one-off. Um, when things get rocky, as they will do, because that's what football is like, it would be good then to see another email from Matthew sort of saying, this is what's happening, you know, and uh, I share your pain or, or even indeed it might be I share your joy, but it's more likely to be when things get rocky, you've got to then come out and start explaining to people what, what's happening and what's doing. So while in the off-season it's good to have an email like this, but um, come come January, if we've lost a couple of games and fans are getting a bit restless, then you need to send out something else again. Yeah, I, th- I, I think there were probably two opportunities last season he had to send out um, a similar email that weren't taken up. Um, so, I, I yeah, I feel, I feel much the same moving forwards. Um, you know, because because there are times when someone just needs to explain the basics of why decisions are made and why things are happening. Um, I, I know I know that's not always that easy in business and stuff, but um, people do sometimes want answers, and um, and if you don't sort of give them answers, they'll make their own ones up. Indeed, indeed. So listen, right, look, good chat about Brentford. Good chat about what's going on with our club. And like I said to you, we've got a week and a bit to go before the start of the season. Still got one game coming on Saturday against Millwall, the Tony Craig testimonial. Like I said to you, I think, you know, we'll, we'll probably for one half, we'll be starting a team. Pretty much we're going to start it up at Huddersfield. So we'll get a good idea as to who's going to be in the starting 11. Obviously, people like Nico Yanaris, who's got a... Uh, He's got a big number now. He's like one of the first team players now. So, you know, he hasn't had a chance to play as yet. You know, um, Bieland hasn't played as much as he could have done. Colin as well has not been in the game as much. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of where we're going to be going over the next seven to ten days. But um, as we say, I'm getting a good vibe from this. And also, like I said to you, we talked about the article where all the the, the, the podcast bloggers wrote about um, their thoughts on the season. Go and check it out on besotted.co.uk. Some very funny things there. They also talk about, you know, what celebrity they would like to uh, manage the club if Dean Smith decided to go up up, up, up top. And I think there were people like Barb and Boris Johnson there, um, Theresa May. Uh, I think there was Baldrick came in a couple of times as well. Matt, is there anybody else there you can, you can remember who, who should have been manager of Brentford? I think I threw in a sexy beast reference as I do normally at times like that. Indeed, indeed, you know, but go and check that out on besotted.co.uk, which is pretty cool. But listen, guys, it's been good chatting with you, good having a beer with you around the pool. And uh, like you said, still got a week to go. Um, hopefully we'll get in another signing, you know, one of these uh, wingers, stroke creative midfielders, stroke running at people person to actually uh, bring us into this game at Huddersfield. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed that's going to be the case. But as we say... You should check us out, besotted.co.uk. We're going to be have our podcast up and running again from uh, this week and from next week. We're also going to be start doing our videos as well. But, guys, um, it's been good chatting to you. Any other thoughts, last-minute thoughts, before we, we, we go off and sup a few more beers around the pool? No more Germans visiting, uh, in, no more Germans visiting TW8, Bill. They're a uh, bit of a fruity bunch, I, I heard, last, uh, last weekend. Is that the case? Yeah. Yes, the globe. What the, the globe was um, was was interesting pre and after match. No tear um, gas. No tear gas though. No, it didn't. No, but I, I, probably more police outside than I've seen in many a, in many, yeah. many a year. Yeah. Not very friendly. Uh, 
And they weren't just for Matt and me, yeah, either, you know. Yeah, yeah I, 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 we, I wouldn't say they were unfriendly. I, they didn't really seem to want to know, to, to know us at all, to be brutally honest. There's 12, I mean, there's, to be fair, there's, 12, there's 1,200 Germans that came and there was a fraction of them. Yeah. From what I can gather is that in the Globe after the game, there was a bit of Nazi saluting from the black shirt Germans in there. So uh, um, luckily I was over here in Spain. I, I didn't have to take part in any of that activity. Yeah. Not being yeah. funny. I mean, funny, they try doing that in Crete at the moment, they'll be hung. (laughs) (laughs) Germans are not very welcome here still. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, listen, this is the Besotty Pride of West London podcast. Listen, guys, it's been good chatting to you. Listen, we're going to catch up with you again next week. Next podcast is going to be out next Thursday, a couple of days before the Huddersfield game. Hopefully we'll have another new signing in there. Hopefully we'll know exactly what we're doing and hopefully we'll be telling you exactly what our plans are going into the Huddersfield game. But... This is something that I haven't said for a few months now as we all get together around the pool, around your cups of coffee, around your cups of tea, around your beers and everything <laughs> like that. As we say, come on, Ubees! Ubees! <laughs> 21st century style. Come on, Ubees! <laughs> <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.